Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Screen Talk and Wars Weekly Podcast. I'm Eric Cohn, joined as always by Ann Thompson, and we are back in our usual habitats of New York and Los Angeles, respectively, after two weeks of sleepless nights in Cannes. And um, I spent a little extra time in Europe, so I'm, I'm just fresh back from that whole experience and still processing all of it. And how are you holding up? I'm back home, so I'm rested. I'm, I'm back in the groove. And of course, the last time we spoke, we were sitting in front of a live audience speculating about the first half of a festival that was jam-packed with a lot of stuff. And uh, now Can has wrapped and we have a lot to dig through, I would say. I mean, I actually stayed till the end and the end was jam-packed with lots of films worth talking about. None of them won the Palme d'Or, but neither did uh, any of the kind of predicted choices that a lot of people, including myself, you thought. predicted so, Cronenberg, which went away empty-handed. That went away pretty quickly. I predicted. Well, let me let me clarify. At that point in time when we were predicting the Palme uh-huh. d'Or, we were only talking about films that had screened. And we had not, in most people's estimation, seen an obvious Palme d'Or film. The, obvi- the, the obvious Palme d'Or. Sadness turns out to have been the one well, that we should but, have but, recognized was but, the consensus let, pick by the jury. Let me, let me clarify, though. The, the re- so what happened was my Palme picks and what a lot of people assumed uh, would would end up being the obvious palm film was closed the Lucas Daunt film. That's a that that's a Belgian film from this thirty year old kind of prodigy, right? Um, very very emotional piece of filmmaking, uh, very well done all across the board, and it sh- shared a Grand Prix with which is uh, the second prize. The second prize with. Claire Denis film stars at noon. So that was a film that was not well reviewed, did not go over well by most people's estimations. A further reminder that the way that juries operate is so unpredictable. And yet a film like Triangle of Sadness, in some ways, you could assume that some jurors may have had some reservations about this or that or the other thing. But it's a film that kept people talking, including us and including critics who argued about it at the whole festival. It was so. absolutely the the primary conversation um, uh, through the whole festival. And, you know, part of it, Eric, is that the critics were sometimes down on it for for being such a popular kind of um Almost in the world of Ken, in the world of, of art films, you know, an English language, accessible, entertaining movie. And one of the things that um, Ruben Ostlin told me and what he said at, at the award show was that he was trying to do that. He was trying to make something yeah. that was simultaneously a smart film of ideas and an entertainment. And that is the hardest needle to thread there is. And I think that finally the jury understood that. Well, and it's it's an auteur film in the sense that it's very uncompromising, even as as it works to entertain. I mean, it's very long. It does a lot of stuff, you know, from a screenplay standpoint, from a 
but it has a lot of twists that some people would say, oh, that was a little bit too far. You know, uh, so different people I talked to had different moments where the movie went too far. Like, oh, it was when they wound up in X scenario or, oh, it was when Woody Harrelson as a Marxist captain did that. Some of the actions on the island. Um, yeah. So, so the last he act. gets very conceptual and follows yeah. the logic. And perhaps it's too on the nose for some people. Perhaps too far. And, and there are certain characters who behave in certain ways that people had problems with. Some people said it was sexist, whatever. So it's a discourse kind of a movie. Absolutely. Um, it, it gets you talking. It is yeah. endlessly entertaining. And the question uh, for me going forward is having won the Palme d'Or. Um, last year, we thought here? I was pretty clear that Titan was probably not going to go far with the Oscars. But Triangle of Sadness could become the kind of movie that gets a screenplay nod and a director nod. You know, it is the kind of movie that could play very well. And um, I think it's going to be uh, well, well handled. Well, that that'll that's I mean, obviously, Neon bought the movie and they know what they're doing in that business. But I think, again, it's going to be a film the where the third be- time they had a Palm Door winner yes. in a row. Yeah, no, serious, serious track pretty record good, there. Pretty good. But I mean, uh, taste there, Tom Quinn. There's an element of calculation there, obviously. I mean, getting in the business with certain filmmakers and certain films that seem like they're angling for a kind of, you know, art film, art house appreciation. I mean, this is a major art house director. So it makes sense. You'd want to be in, in the Ruben Oslin business right now. Um, coming off of, of a few years after The Square, which did really well for him. This is like The Square Amplified. I mean, it's like the same this kind of satire, but on a bigger successful. level. And, and it will be, I believe, successful in, in theaters. Uh, and, you know, uh, uh, just to jump the shark for a moment, uh, Top Gun uh, pulled audiences adult audiences back to theaters in a big big record busting kind of memorial weekend kind of way and hopefully other uh, adult audiences will follow Uh, yeah i mean the question is what is the trickle down effect from that sort of thing and triangle sadness on a venn diagram with top gun I mean, it's the adult (laughs) art house audience we're describing at the moment. But um, so so Neon had a great festival. They had the Cronenberg, which is now opening in theaters. That was their real goal. Yeah, I thought that was really smart because that's a movie you don't hold on to. You need the can buzz. I mean, ultimately, what was amazing about that film was that it it is such a challenging movie and it's not to all tastes. It's a it's a uncompromising conversation topic. Yes. But but everybody at Cannes had an opinion about it. And they were talking about different performances and what are the ideas, you know, did Cronenberg anticipate all these things going on about, you know, the interplay of technology and physicality and stuff. And then it opens in theaters. And I think it, it this could weekend. do all right. Yeah. yeah. So Leia Sedu had a good festival. She's very yeah. good in the Cronenberg movie, uh, Crimes of the Future. And she's also very seductive artist. and beautiful and kind of edgy. And then and then she's playing a much more wholesome every woman in One Fine Morning, which I think Sony Pictures Classics, Mia Hansen Love directed this one and wrote it. I think Sony Pictures Classics could have a little art house hit on their hands with this. It's it's. Uh, in a fascinating contrast with uh, the the Mia Hansen Love film that was at Cannes last year, Bergman, Bergman Island, Island, which was you know had a lot of different kinds of tricks that was to English it in terms language. of structure and stuff, and it was English language. This That's is a more stars sort of in it. yeah, this is what and Leslie is a star obviously, but this is a very 
you know, grounded drama. I mean, it's not, it's not trying. It's very French. Yes, yes, exactly. So that is an older art house movie, a very, a very classic SPC no, movie. It has a, it has a romance at its center. And, and uh, I was very moved by the story of her father, uh, who's, who's doing uh, poorly and aging and, and has some, some issues and, and how they have to deal with that, what the women in his life have to do to take care of him and and all the different things she's taking care of a kid she's taking care of her parent and she's she doesn't have room in her life for 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 love and so that becomes a, i think a lot of women could relate to this story there were a couple but really strong films it wasn't for the competition it was definitely yeah. i see why they put it in director's form. i mean it won the section right so there is a there is a I think a value in that strategically, right? Like when Gaspar Noe's film Climax got some of his best reviews, people were like, why is that in director's Fortnite? Well, it won the section. So when you have a, something that's just going to be really uniformly loved, it's, it's a strategy, but it is one of them. It's a smaller it's, intimate film that didn't really break any kind of formal ground or, or make any great claims for itself as a super serious movie, although it is tackling serious subjects. But I do think I, it could I have been the a movie. I want you to understand. I yeah, loved it, it, but I get why they didn't put it in the competition. But, but I think it, it, you know, to, to the obvious question of when, when will can have better representation for women directors in its competition section, one that comes up every year, you could have put the film in competition and it wouldn't have been, people would not have necessarily said, why, why do you put this they film? Like, Mia Hansen Love, but, but Mia Hansen, Mia Hansen Love is an auteur. I think Corsage would have made it. In Corsage, we talked about that last week, right? Out. Is another one. And then there's the five devils from Liam Mesius who wrote Claire Denise film stars at noon and wrote the ODR film Paris 13th district. That was their last year. She had five devils in uh, Kanzen, which I loved. I just can't stop so talking about So that's one of the it, movies so. that got picked up by Mubi, along yeah. with my favorite, Decision to Leave, the Park Chan-wook. Which took Best Director. And that, exactly. I think that's that that's signals something surprise. kind of fascinating as well. I, I was wondering if that was a Palm film as, as we got closer. I mean, it really, it's, it's not, um, there were different opinions I heard about it from people because it's not a traditional Park Chan-wook film. It's, uh, it's more romantic in a way but uh but it's I wouldn't it's, call it romantic i would it say has a romance a, there was a it's not a romance what it is hmm. is, is is an attraction it's it's a femme fatale yeah it is it's, a femme fatale. It's, it's inside the noir a, linguistic universe yes it, it's playing with those those tropes, those tropes. In, in a very effective yeah. way in a way that's yeah. very cold and edgy and, and and not necessarily quote unquote romantic yeah yeah well it's I, sexy. It's we can come back sexy. to that i guess it's also the, the how you define romantic as well i mean the, the film is yeah sexy and and it's playing is it with about the two people point falling of view. in love or is it about two people in or in someone falling in love with some kind of attraction yeah you know? no it's 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 open in that sense um well i have to say i mean i i wish that i could debate some of the the films that showed with you towards the end of the festival like Coriata's uh no, new, new film broker it's interesting that it showed it. so late um that it, one best actor yeah for song king ho the the parasite uh, guy parasite. yeah and he's yeah. very good in the movie it's a very uh traditional Ada film i think it was hurt by comparisons to shoplifters which was obviously you know this this great palm d'or oscar nominated which uh, i loved drama. it was very moving and funny and yeah and, and this has that too. all at the same time it has that too and it has the broken family element 
but it doesn't have the twist in the same way. I mean, you really kind of get this. It's it's a road trip comedy, but it happens to be dealing with uh, uh, characters who are not really the the best type of people to be rooting for. So there is a subversive component there. I mean, they're, they're these guys who basically um, have a, a drop off box for, for abandoned infants and they try to sell them on the, the black market. So they're on a road trip trying to find Explain a home. Explain something child. to me about the provenance of the film. It's a Japanese filmmaker with a Korean star. Yeah, what he's shooting in Korea. So they I don't know the whole, whole thing in Korea. Yeah, 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 exactly. And I and I don't know exactly what the the reasoning is there. Although that you know, Koreeda made a French film before this and maybe in a process. So will of this sort be of... the Japanese submission or the Korean Great question. submission? Great question. And then question. Return to Seoul is another Korean. Well, film. yeah, that which Sony which Sony Classics has. picked up from Davy Chow, and that's that's a it got some really strong reviews. And I'm sorry I missed it. I Me guess too. you know it's a, it'll be it. a a question of financing. And and um, you know the producers and so forth. So so we'll have to wait and see on that front. Uh, I would have loved to debate Pacifiction with you, the new film from Albert Serra, a, a Catalan director making his debut. And this is um this is a guy who you know he made this film. I don't know if you saw it at Cannes a few years ago with Jean Pierre Layard called The Death of Louis the Fourteenth, no, where Jean Pierre Layard is just slowly dying for two hours. Um, he he's a provocateur, but this film is more like it's got Benoit Magimel. It's a French production, even though he's a Catalan director. And um, it had it's almost like in a pitch it pong type of movie. It's like this dreamlike story of this French diplomat on on a on in Tahiti kind of lording over all of these people. But the island, because they shot it during the pandemic, is sort of empty. And it's this sort of meditation on that the the um the the lingering effects of french colonialism and the isolating quality of it um, did that so get really a distributor it. it does not have a u.s distributor as far as i know though i've heard there are some rumblings it'll be a, a festival film but i do so know that it's news, getting distribution around the world so the good news is that some of the movies that got some prizes tori and lakita the darden brothers movie which i adored uh got a special 75th anniversary prize because of course the dardens have won twice already so the jury did take that into consideration. But what I think we should remember about the jury is that while we are very aware of what's won in the past and and we've seen, you know, we can compare if we've seen both films, Shoplifters with Broker, um, the, the jury is a different group of people and they haven't yeah. necessarily seen all these films and nor do they have the context of what's won in the past necessarily. And so I think when they discover someone like Ruben Ostland, they want to reward him. They haven't necessarily gone through the process of watching Force Majeure and watching The Square and all his other films. So I think it's interesting to remember that and to and to uh, let them, you know, discover uh, what they discover. Uh, each the mythology year as, as, as will, a will, new thing. You the know? mythology Maybe they didn't will see Handmaiden before. You know, I, you know, we saw these jurors around around Cannes and they were always so tight lipped about things. But but one thing that you do end up realizing is that everybody is compromised in different kinds of ways, right? Like the president, Vincent Linden, just did a movie with Claire Denis. Yeah. Like the movie that the won that Best won in Director Berlin. in Berlin stars Vincent Linden. There were some rumors going around that I heard after the festival as I continued wandering through Europe that Linden didn't want to award any French films. And if you look at the awards, aside from the Claire Denis prize that it shares with something else, 
that Which does seem Belgian, to be the case. No, it's the Belgians that did well this year. Yes, I think that was that. So that'll Tori be a Lakita conversation. And close uh, are also Belgian. Yeah. So what's the Oscar submission there? That'll be a fascinating. That'll be an interesting uh, one too. And, and close was acquired by A24 for the U.S. Yes. So. That'll be a, that'll be a uh, so, so Janice and Sideshow picked up Tori and, and Lakita and then and EO. EO, the other one. That <laughs> the donkey won. movie. Jersey Skolomowski listed all of the donkeys in the movie in his thank you speech. Six donkeys. And then and he then brayed, he you know, He's EO is, is the equivalent of hee-haw. Yeah, you know? that's how they so subtitle We'll see it. what the American title turns out to. I quite enjoyed that movie because you can show it. To, it's the kind of classic cinematic experience you could show to to a younger audience, like Red Balloon or something. You know, it's using the language of film to tell a story, but it's not overly complex. Um, and it's very easy to explain to people what it's about. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about that. And I'm curious to know if that's a Polish submission as well, since he's so, uh, so I've got Neon with one, two, three, four, four movies that were there and then that, 24 had about seven or eight they went in with with a lot um yeah. in, in a quiet and Sony too. has one fine day uh, one fine morning and return to soul and then movie has the five devils and decision to leave and and oh oh the reason and then neon also had moon age daydream which is also hbo that was a movie that I enjoyed. You didn't see that one, right? No, I haven't seen it yet. The, I the could Red not Morgan. muster the energy I got to talk to for David about. Bowie at midnight, but I hear that I hear that it played well enough for, for it, what it, it is. It's, right? it's, if you like Bowie, there's more than enough to like. Uh, it's a question of whether you buy into uh, this sort of wall of sound thing. And apparently, um, when I say wall of sound, I mean that Brett Morgan shot this thing in Dolby Atmos and IMAX. And it's intended to be seen in that format. So if there's any way you can see this movie in IMAX, you should. Well, it's, 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 another it's, a muddy, it's a muddy mix if you see it in any other kind of place. And presumably this is another big theatrical play in the sense that if you're going to see the movie, you're going to want to see it with the optimum well, audio. Want, he's trying to surround you and, and give you this immersive experience as if you were at a concert and and that's what he's doing it's and how much of bowie are we seeing that we don't already know because i'm you sure you've seen of you any of the performances before unless you were at them live <laughs> well that helps he had an amazing archive to work with and you have not a, a lot of the inner so the, the he uses the technique of taking interviews that bowie gave especially one with michael apted um, hmm. on a on a documentary that he made about several different personalities where they talked about their artistic process so that's the narration it's all bowie and it's very philosophical and and uh, uh brainy you know and then uh and and he doesn't do any talking heads thankfully so it's it's that's how and then he throws in this is the part that a lot of people object to he throws in footage of uh different movies that influenced Bowie, like Metropolis or 2001 mm. or, what you know. Well, that's a way to get it into can. <laughs> so that he throws all of these references in willy-nilly. I mm. mean, you know, it's kind of odd. Interesting. 
Well, is it an, is it does it have any chance for for awards or is it a pure I think so. commercial? Okay. I mean, he he Good he's done know. well in the past. Um, I think he, this is the guy who made Jane, who made which didn't get an Oscar nomination. That was a whole so thing. So popular. Yeah. It, it won an Emmy instead. Um, and then well, it, Brett and Morgan it, has often made the case about how docs are ignored in other categories too, like editing, for example. And this so the, he, the, he had a tough time. Up. He he was inside the pandemic. He was um, he had a heart attack. He was so uh, under duress and he um, he edited and and did it all by himself. So it was hmm. it was a, a, it, this is definitely the Brett Morgan show. Hmm. This movie. Well, did you get a chance to see the Jerry Lee Lewis documentary from Ethan Cohen? I didn't either. Now, that those was are the, the movies other that we could that made see, noise. presumably, in the Oscar race. But the one that's probably the most likely is All That Breathes, the Sean Axen that was Beautiful film. And yep. HBO picked that up. So I saw that at Sundance. I, I was actually really impressed that, that can because can is, has, is just they notoriously... Don't do that yeah, they don't... Sometimes you'll see a Sundance film there, but nonfiction in general just doesn't get official selection no, very they often. They don't give it much space. So they in certain regards... They left for it. That's the problem. But, that's, you know, that film is, is really strong. It almost feels like it could be like... I mean, maybe it's not quite as specific as like a Honeyland or something like that, but it has this really great setting. I mean, these guys who are uh, helping helping these birds in, in a Delhi. small... In, in Delhi, yeah, I mean it's it's such a it's it's a great sort of like it's a great ecological human... story and it's a family yeah. story, an obsessive family. Yeah, trying ecological to story through kites. the human lens. Yeah, black kites are the birds, and and it... but it takes the camera. So they hired the guy who shot Kazakovsky's movie Aqua. What was that called? Oh, Victor Kazakovsky's film about uh, Aquarella. The Aqua one. Yeah. Aquarella. Aquarella. Yeah. So they picked I didn't up that realize that. That's cinematographer. Mm -hmm. And that's why it had, and he set the tone for these extraordinary lyrical swooping shots, you know, up and above uh, and down on the ground and, and, and very beautiful cinematography that you wouldn't, that they didn't, they weren't in a, in a position to, to create. Well, the, the doc that I was happy to see at Cannes is one that I'm sure you would have loved to check out because it's two hours of, surgery footage uh from from the harvard sensory ethnographic lab filmmakers who made leviathan and uh and, and a couple other films sweetgrass um now this is a movie that actually premiered the same day as the cronenberg film and it is also a form of body horror in a way but i thought it was beautiful i mean really it was one of those things where no, there was a portion to see that the portion of the audience that left you know, that was not the audience for that movie. The audience that stuck around was really into it because you start seeing things like cancer cells magnified and then you start to realize the inherent beauty of it and you get beyond the grotesqueness of it and it becomes something else. I mean, that to me is like, that's like a can experience. You want those sort of things where you're like, who cares about the market for these movies? This is cinema. And then you want to bring that home. The other thing that's fun to talk about at Ken is 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 because I've been thinking about this. I had such a good time, and I enjoyed uh, hanging out with you and David in our little apartment. And and the food is so good. And and you know, it you get to network. You get to I go to a BFI lunch, and I get to hang out with Lizzie Frank from BFI, or I go and Guy Lodge from yeah. Variety, or I go to the Elvis opening, and I see uh, David Sasloff, the yep. head of Warner Brothers Discovery. 
schmoozing with the about to be deposed Toby Emmerich. Yeah, you see who, the you see asked, the news cycle in action. A, a uh, production deal, um, and and I ended up sitting next to Toby Emmerich at a, at the women in uh, the caring women in motion dinner. So so you never know. <laughs> You never know who you're gonna end up uh, hanging out with at camp. It's, yeah, it's I, I remember it's I was for that. The, the Elvis. I went to the Elvis screening. Um, I could not believe that was a movie. I was sort of baffled by it, to be honest with you. But uh, I understand that there is a lot of Baz love, and certainly there was a lot of Baz love in that room with the 12 minute standing ovation and Tom Hanks sort of playing to the crowd and passing Eric, the camera you know, over to his and I know star. That those ovations are orchestrated. Oh, it was. They're it's a crazy. show. It's Your a show, performance. but it's you, when you're in it, you're in it, it and you do feel anything. it. No, well, but it when you're in it, you have to clap forever. And you could see the screen grabs of David Zaslav sitting behind Tom Hanks. Right. So like this is a microcosm of these bigger forces at work. And I showed Zazz up love and Zaslav. Well, I went so I went to um, Stars at Noon right after Elvis, which is the ultimate kind of can contrast for you. And then I went late to the Elvis party and I I had heard that you had been chasing Zaslav around, but were hadn't quite gotten to him. No, but that it he was had really been frustrating there. because I was I had my moment and I was doing that thing that you do where you go, OK, uh, I'm going to what am I going to ask him? Right. What, what are the questions question. that I'm going to ask? Honestly, him? what and, do you ask that and guy? as long and, and as I was like stalling, he went and sat down with a bunch of people and it was impossible. You know, it, it was no longer the right time to sort of go over and say hello. Well, you have and to so get them while they're standing. <laughs> so, so and so here's this this guy though who is probably in the process of finalizing decisions we'd read about a few days later, and you wrote a great analysis of it. Uh, I think it's worth breaking that down a little bit because coming out of the can haze, this is a reminder that there are there's some other forces at play in terms no of question. you know who's well, in charge now. So the thing that struck people uh, about about I mean the thing that struck me especially was Michael DeLuca, who I've tracked for a very long time since he was head of New Line, you know, and he was the wunderkind for Bob Shea at New Line, and right next to him, coming along behind him, and he was mentoring was Toby Emmerich. At so they're a few years apart. He there. He had come from music. Uh, he was like a music supervisor, so he had moved over to film. And when Deluca left in a bit of a cloud after he had gone through various um, and sundry scandals uh, of having to do with his personal behavior, and he he definitely cleaned up his act, Deluca, and became a much more upstanding citizen over time, married man, and all that. But he um, he. Uh, Emmerich was always much more of the sort of dutiful uh, player, and he took over from from DeLuca and stayed at New Line all the way through from when Warner Brothers picked up the the company as a label and up to uh, when they he finally was tapped to come in and take over at at the Warner Brothers studio, having succeeded at New Line. So the two of them. And of course, DeLuca went on to become a producer and, and he was at Sony and he was at Universal. He was at DreamWorks. He, he made Moneyball. He made a social network. Uh, he made the Grey's, uh, um, the Fifty Shades of Grey series. You know, he's, he's, he's a, you know, legendary uh, producer. And when he was at MGM, he did licorice pizza and he did uh you know the ridley scott house of gucci and and uh, a recent well, strong track yeah. record yeah but one but, that would have been tested in an amazon context in he, a different he, way and he didn't finish up 
you know, all the stuff that he greenlit at MGM. So that's still going to be determined as it goes forward uh, under Amazon. So Julie Rappaport was at the party for uh, 3,000 uh, Years of Longing, which is the the uh, one of the first things he greenlit, the George Miller movie with Tilda Swinton and Idris Elba, which is unlikely to be a huge commercial success but it's we a shall tough see. sell that one we shall see i i, I quite um i found it fascinating but not necessarily uh a, a, an accessible uh hit but we'll see we'll see um and then uh, so now the two of them are not that dissimilar they're they're the same right. they come from the same dna emmerich and and deluca so and i think emmerich deserves a lot of credit for steering through very stormy waters with all sorts of different bosses, uh, with different mandates, changing all the time. You know, AT&T takes over. He has to deal with John Stanky, who appoints Jason Kalar, who does the day and date thing, you know, that he had to live with and take the flack for with people like Denis Villeneuve for Dune. Right. So, you know, I, I think he did very well. Joker was an enormous hit. Star is Born, an enormous hit. Crazy Rich Asians, of course. What I'm, I don't get in all this is if these guys are so similar and they, they're cut from the same cloth, Good why question. do you need one to replace it? Like, if you're going to shake things up or bring in new vision, bring in new vision. What it really right? comes down to is that poor Emmerich was on some level tarnished by his corporate exposure to all of this stuff. And um, he's, he's known. He's old news. And DeLuca is the shiny new object. Yeah. Even if they're the I same. mean, is he new? I mean, that's the frustrating thing about Hollywood. Warner Brothers before. Uh, and Deluca, by the way, is very excited. He's very excited. This is a big studio, and he's going to have a big playpen. Oh, I'm excited. I, mean, I hope they. Theatrical. I hope they continue to greenlight original director-driven work, which does still seem to be a part of Warner Brothers. I mean, they lost Christopher Nolan, obviously. So that's that's. That's I happened, don't think Emmerich was but, crying any tears at that point. But but then and you know it's also a question of well, who who do you bring in who are, who are, who's the next Nolan who what's the Maybe next you generation? get PTA to come yeah, back somebody like to that Warner Brothers it's a, it's a good question it's a good question well um, I guess the only thing news wise we have left to talk about this week is that awful trial. <laughs> Uh, with, with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, which seems to have consumed way more attention than any of the other stuff that we were paying attention to while we were in France all over the fucking world. I mean, it's really I, when frustrating. When I saw what some of the numbers were, I could be, I could tell on Facebook that my video feed was supplying that a lot of the time, even if I sort of skipped past it. Um, uh, I think the real question is what the, uh, I really feel very strongly that a lot of misogyny was revealed by this trial, that he felt the need to be right, that he felt the need to use his millions to quash her and and set the record straight as as an upstanding guy, and that he probably believes that his career has been saved by this jury and that he's going to be able to move on and get good parts again. Well, look, he has a project. At the Marche du Film, there was a project that that is set to be directed by May Wen, Mai Wen, who's a respected French French director. director who also acted in the film with Johnny Depp. So he could 
start doing European projects. And, you know, obviously they have different sorts of. That would put him in a Woody Allen category. I think he probably wants back into full scale. You know, is he in Mel Gibson territory? Is he, is he in Mel Gibson of a few years ago, perhaps? Or is he rehabilitated and able to star and pull his audience? Because what he has demonstrated very well is that there's still a very strong Johnny Depp fan club out there. Yeah, I mean, look, when that stupid, um, it wasn't called Best Popular Film, Best um, Fan yes, Film Oscar thing. Minamata, a film that nobody knew about because it premiered in Berlin like two years ago as one well, of the nominees. All the fans were, were, were right. you know, uh, amassing to support him. So, so you know, but he got, he basically got thrown out of the, of, of, of the, um, you know, the J.K. Rowling world. Yeah, and I think that it's unlikely that Johnny Depp is going to rebound as some big movie star, but he'll—he's not going anywhere in terms of trying to keep his career going. And we're going to see other efforts like this. What's frustrating about this to me is not that it's just the general sense of um, grossness about it. Everything that's exposed is at the beginning of these awful celebrity trials where people basically use the public eye of scandal to to you know transactionally to to fix their careers that's even what if he they was end doing having a blot yeah. on them so that and and then but just amber heard well, did not succeed in no, fixing no. her career and she and took just, a big hit here sucks. and the real uh villain of the piece uh oddly appears to be the aclu which wrote the original op-ed piece that was the basis of the lawsuit for defamation they wrote it the in this situation it. yeah and uh, that's an odd thing and they did it because she gave them 3.5 million dollars as a donation well if nothing else this year has certainly been filled with plenty of reminders that major movie stardom is not necessarily the the most um, the happiest place no, for people to be no and and to uh, you know a couple that's doing a lot of drugs and and acting out in in horrible ways is is not a good thing but i don't like the idea that a woman who spoke out got punished in such a severe way well it's terrible because it puts a real damper on other women feeling uh and we made a lot of progress with me too and this feels like a step back yeah it is it's truly frustrating and i hope that people continue to make that point because the more it's said, the more it gets pushed back on. And, and you know, people should obviously feel comfortable coming forward. We're seeing story. I mean, you know, you look at the story about Carrie Fukunaga the past week. I mean, it, whatever is going on in our culture in terms of people feeling the need to, quote unquote, speak their truth, there is so, some positive uh, progress that comes out of people recognizing that it's okay to say that something happened to you that made you uncomfortable. And if it's somebody who seems like they're welding power, you know, you may need to be careful in terms of how you voice those concerns, but you should find a way to 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 get that out there. And and, and silence is, is never uh, never the right course of action. So hopefully people keep making that point. And, and this isn't a static thing, but um, I guess we'll see. So in better news, uh, the movie calendar continues to pace. And, and a lot of the films that we've been talking about are going to come out in the months and weeks ahead. And Next week is the Tribeca Film Festival, which is a little disorienting because I was getting emails about uh, 
about films at, at in New York while I was in Canada. And I was like, I can't think of anything else right now. But um, I'm looking forward to talking about some of those highlights with you, Anne. And, and what do you have coming up in, in the Well, the uh, Tribeca Festival is one place where a lot of docs are unveiled. So I'm going to be paying special attention uh, to that. And there are some very good docs coming up uh, next week. One that I would recommend uh, will hit HBO on Wednesday. It's in theaters now. And that is The Janes which is a documentary uh, set back in 1968 in Chicago uh, that uh, documents uh, what this extraordinary group of women that uh, gave abortions uh, to people in need and ended up servicing many states and uh, uh, helping uh, some 11,000 women. And one of the things about this doc that really hits you hard um, I mean, there's been a, a lot of good movies like like happening, uh, but this movie uh, really lays out the scale of the damage when abortions are not available, uh, yeah. legal abortions. Yes. So uh, I do recommend that people see this one. Do you have anything you want to recommend for uh, coming something coming up? You mean outside of Crimes of the Future, which does open this week? <laughs> Honestly, I can't, I can't wait to <laughs> I can't wait to talk about the that movie with more people who've had a chance to see it and and come back to it. Um, there's a film that that I believe IFC Midnight's putting out called Watcher, which was also at Sundance earlier this year in the Midnight section. It's a first feature from a, a filmmaker named Chloe Okuna, and it's a very cool Polanski esque thriller uh, with Micah Monroe, who people may remember from uh, David Robert Mitchell film and uh, just about a, uh, an American woman living in Europe who feels like she's being followed. And there's speaking of the David Michael, the Mitchell film, right? <laughs> yes, it has. It has that same sort of gimmick to it, but it but it, it goes in in a more traditionally thriller kind of direction. But it's just it's just a very strong piece of filmmaking from a new genre director. So, you know, it's the summertime. It's a good opportunity once you get Top Gun out of your system to kind of explore a little bit. And, and I hope, as usual, that people make that effort. And I, do that. I'm excited. I'm going to go to the Arrow tonight and I'm going to see a double feature of Chinatown and Sorcerer. Oh, my God. With a Q&A That's with Friedkin. It's going to be very disorienting to come out of that. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure you'll get some good stories out, out of that one. Friedkin's one of those guys you hope will always be around, just like challenging the oh, system. He's great. He's thing, great. And Sorcerer is vastly underrated. It's one of the great movies. It is gripping. Really incredible stuff. We'll have fun with that. Uh, welcome home. And Anne, I will see you next week. <laughs> <laughs>